even in the job search process, you're ultimately marketing yourself. And so from the CPAs perspective, it can be something as simple as how to differentiate yourself from all the other CPAs out there. You know, if so, if your clients have choices, how do you make sure that you're the one that they're choosing? Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 24 of Improv is No Joke. Thank you very much for downloading this episode. Today's guest is Brett Riley, who is a business and career coach. Now, I've known Brett for approximately two years. She worked for my publisher, Advantage Media Group, as a marketing consultant extraordinaire, and she taught me a lot about marketing, especially content marketing. She left Advantage Media earlier this year to pursue her passion. As she states on her website, I'm a coach, educator, and marketer, a believer in dreams, big dreams, huge dreams that equally scare and energize you at the same time. Love of entrepreneurship, sport, and all things Clemson University. When she says all things Clemson University, she means all things Clemson. Her mission is to empower people to seek fulfilling careers and businesses that allow them to both live the lifestyle they want and make a positive impact on the world. For you baby boomers, you might find this interview interesting because we do spend a lot of time discussing the millennial employee. They do work different from the way we do, but Brett gives an excellent insight into the mind of the millennial because she is a millennial. Also, if you have a child who's graduated from college over the last three years or graduating this year, this information will be helpful to their career. Brett is launching an online course on December 1st, and it's perfect for anyone who's always wanted to start their own business and doesn't know where to begin, or someone who has started and gotten stuck somewhere along the way. If you want to learn more about this course, just go to SideHustleStarterKit.com. That's S-I-D-E-H-U-S-T-L-E-S-T-A-R-T-E-R-K-I-T.com. Before we get to the interview with Brett, If you enjoy my podcast, I would like to ask two favors. First, tell your friends, neighbors, and colleagues about the podcast because referral marketing is the best marketing. Second, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take five minutes to write a review on iTunes. It helps build the credibility for the show, which will lead to a growing audience. And if you're unsure of the steps in writing a review, please visit this episode on my website and look in the show notes for the directions. Remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Also, if you're not signed up for the SN Challenge, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the SN Challenge call to action and click to register to begin building the effective habit of yes and and the principles of improvisation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag YesAndChallenge. Now, if you're unsure what this Yes and Challenge is all about, I discuss this in greater detail in episode zero. So go back and take a listen. You know, the holiday season is kicking into full gear next week. And if you're looking for a perfect gift for your team, 
then purchase my book, Improv is No Joke, using improvisations to create positive results in leadership and life. You can find it on Amazon.com and at BarnesandNobles.com. Now, if you'd like to purchase more than five books, please email me for volume discounts at peter at petermargaritas.com. Now, with that said, let's get to the interview with Brett Rowley. Hey, welcome back to Improv is No Joke. Pete Margaritas here, and today's guest is Brett Rowley. I met Brett, oh, it's probably about almost two years ago when she was the marketing consultant extraordinaire at Advantage Media Group, who's the publisher of my book. And since then, uh, she's gone off on her own. And I will let you, I will let her tell you of this wonderful adventure that she's on. So first and foremost, Brett, thank you for taking time out of your busy entrepreneurial schedule to sit down and have a conversation with me. Absolutely, Pete. I'm uh, I'm excited. So I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, so have I. And I'm sorry to have to put this off for so many weeks and, you know, bronchitis kept getting in the way, but I'm glad we're finally able to have the conversation today and have a voice to have this. Uh, so to get us kicked off, I mean, I said I met you at Advantage Media. Was that the, your first employer out of college? It was not. So I actually... Uh, Graduated from college, I have a degree in marketing, and I bounced around. So I am your typical millennial job uh, <laughs> job jumper, job hopper. Uh, I had four different jobs over the course of about five years, which led me to Advantage. So all of them built on each other, but ended up in most of them were in the marketing consulting world. But that uh, that gave me a lot of experience, certainly in the job search process, which ultimately led to my my new career that you hinted at. So what was the craziest job that you had during that five-year period as you were bebopping around? <laughs> the craziest job that I had, I worked for a, I was the marketing director for a summer camp in Texas. And I use the term summer camp very loosely. We, <laughs> it, uh, it was like a resort for, for kids. So there were granite countertops. There were, um, you know, there was a go-kart track. There was, Sailing, you know, all these different things. It was about five grand to send your kid there for a month. So I, I use the term summer camp loosely, uh, but that was a, <laughs> it was a, a fun time and certainly a lot of experience working with and, and dealing with all types of, of people and, uh, and certainly marketing strategies that came along with that. Wow. That, I think that's a summer camp that I would like to have gone to when I was a kid. It was perfect. I got to uh, I got to be a, a quote unquote adult and still go still go to camp over the summer. So <laughs> it worked out perfectly. And so you found yourself at Advantage excuse me Advantage Media Group in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, remind me, are you from the Charleston, South Carolina area? I'm not. I'm from Atlanta originally. So I knew that. But if anyone has ever been to Charleston, South Carolina, I know you've been here, Pete. Uh, it definitely. I think we have 30 people a day moving here. So it's definitely a growing city. And I joined the ranks. Um, my boyfriend was living here at the time, so wanted to try and find a find a job down here. And like you said, it's been about two years ago now that uh, I joined Advantage. 
Oh, so you joined Advantage about the time that I came on as a as a client. So I was one of your first clients. Now I understand why you left. There's probably ah. a reason why. Man, it was all your fault, Pete. I can't take that guy anymore. Everybody <laughs> else is pretty cool, but this dude's driving me crazy. Yes, I have been to Charleston, South Carolina. It quickly moved up to my number one, number two favorite city uh, to visit. And I'm lucky enough that I would be back in Charleston at the end of October uh, speaking at a conference. And my taste buds are already hopping about all the wonderful food that's in Charleston. You know what? Moving from Atlanta, I thought, you know what? I'm going to spend, there's going to be no traffic. I'm going to save so much money on gas and so much money on travel since my work's only three miles away. All of that savings went directly into food and drink here in Charleston. So no shortage of it at all. Some great food and drink. So what did you do at Advantage? Can you explain the job of of a marketing consultant? And I add that part extraordinaire. (laughs) <laughs> well, I appreciate that that addition. No, I um so essentially I worked with our clients and our members to help them grow their businesses. And as you said, it, it advantages a publisher first and foremost. But when I came on, there was a renewed emphasis in how do we use these books to help our authors really take the next step in their business, really grow their businesses. So I acted as, I like to joke, I was a little bit of an accountability partner, a little bit therapist, a little bit strategist uh, when I was on the phone with my clients. So I helped them really take the book, which is a tool that they have to use and look at their goals and say, okay, how can we get how can we get there using the book? What are other authors doing? What have you done in your in your experience that's worked? So um, I had the pleasure. I spent most of my day on the phone and, and helped people grow their businesses using their books. I'm glad our conversations were usually earlier in the day than later in the day, because I imagine as much as as many conversations as you have, by the end of the day, you're probably starting to sound a little bit like Barry White. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And I find uh, I would say, okay, I can't remember who I've told this story to by the end of the day. So I have very, I have, you know, a handful of funny stories that I share. And I'm like, stop me if I've told you this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I will say that my time at Advantage with you and still that she left that, that Allison's there. Uh, every time I'm on the phone or some type of contact, I'm learning something new about marketing. Now, I'm, I was never a marketing major. I, I was a business administration major coming out of college. Then I went back and got my accounting degree. And I've been able to use some of those tools that you guys had taught me and also taking that information and sharing it with CPAs because it's very applicable to CPAs and how to primarily lead generation. How do you, how do you, how do you get out in front of it, you know, with or without the book? And, and it's, it's been a wonderful education process for, for myself. I mean, I think that that's one of the things that initially drew me to marketing in general was the fact that those principles apply to everything across the board, whether you're marketing a product, a service, yourself. I mean, even in the job search process, you're ultimately marketing yourself. And so from the CPA's perspective, it can be something as simple as how to differentiate yourself from all the other CPAs out there. You know, if, if so, if your clients have choices, how do you make sure that you're the one that they're choosing? Okay, let's play, let's play with this for a moment. Uh, so let, let, uh, let's take a CPA firm and we can say any stereotypical firm that they provide the same services across the board. There's really, except maybe if there's a niche or something, there's really no difference. How do they differentiate themselves? How do they let that that potential prospect or even a current client know that they are different from their competition? The biggest thing that I would tell people to think about 
is put yourself in the shoes of the client first. So uh, before I worked with Advantage, I worked uh, specifically with financial advisors, which I recognize not not entirely the same thing, but I think that they probably struggle with similar struggles in that the financial advisors that I worked with, they honed in so much on the tactical services that they could provide. And that's what they marketed, right? So they've got all these different solutions. You're, you know, They've got annuities, they've got life insurance, they've got stocks, bonds, et cetera. But really what the client cares about is the fact that they're not going to have to worry about all that stuff, that their money is going to be there when they need it. And I think that CPAs can take the same approach and that understand they don't necessarily need to know exactly tactically every single thing that you're doing. What What your clients need to know is they're taken care of. You're the expert in your field. You know what are they really buying when they're coming to you? And so that's the first place to start is understanding what you're selling, and and understanding you know that it's probably not what you think you're selling right off the bat. Right, and I think you I think you worded that very well by saying you don't have to give that client every tactical piece that you're doing. Uh, first and foremost, I think you got to make a connection with the client. You got to build that trust uh, with that client because you only do business with people that you trust. But from that point is, I also say that, you know, some of your best marketing comes from your people. And we'll tie it back to the hiring process. Are you hiring the best and the brightest? And, and, and how articulate are they of taking very complex information and boiling it down to something, something that anybody on the street would be able to understand? Well, that's the thing is, and stop me if I'm wrong, but I think that most CPAs and most people that, most of their clients, if they needed to know all the tactical things, all the details, they could probably do a majority of it at home. They don't want to know the majority of what you're doing. That's the reason that they're coming to you. And so you're exactly right. It's about relationships and how can you position yourself personally um, and, and really know how to attract that right, that right client. Exactly. So we're taking that marketing perspective. We're connect, making those connections. And then one day you're on the phone with me and we're wrapping up our monthly phone call and I get, oh, do you get a couple extra minutes? <laughs> and immediately my stomach went right out. My heart sunk and I knew that I was getting, I'm leaving. <laughs> I did. I remember. I remember saying, you You don't even have to tell me. I knew. I remember you knowing that, uh, that, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> right. And and after I got over the shock and all of it, but you went out and, and, and started this, your own business. And, and and tell us what this business is. So I am, and it's, it seems like a, a big shift, but it's really, it's really not. It's a, a little bit of a pivot. So I'm now a career coach. And basically what I've done is taken, like we talked about, those marketing principles that apply to everything and apply them to specifically millennials who are feeling stuck in their first couple jobs out of school, feeling like their career is not going in the right direction or not going as quickly as they'd like it to, not progressing as quickly, and helping them really do the same thing that we did for your business, create that strategic plan. How do we look at, okay, what's the end goal? Where do you want your career to go? And then how do we get there? How do you position yourself and make sure that you're going in the right direction? So for those millennials who are like me and job hopping aimlessly, <laughs> let's, uh, let's put together a plan and, and, and know that there's an end in sight. And I think that that's 
you know, the clients that I'm working with, that's the biggest challenge for them is they're feeling stuck. And so I like to say I help, I help people get unstuck. You, you help people get unstuck. Uh, on your website, I love this. Go from drained to driven, and you'll show them how. So let me ask you this question. Let, let's, hypothetically, you've got a, a millennial who is in a job that they actually like and they want, they want to stay. Do you offer career coaching for them who want to stay within an organization but might not know how to move up that ladder? Absolutely. So one thing that I, I – that's a big part of what I do. So if there are people that are looking for a promotion, there's a new position within the organization that they're wanting to shoot for, a lot of what I teach in the job search process applies. So negotiation skills, interview skills, you're still going to probably have to go through an interview process if you're looking for that um, that promotion. How do you position, position yourself within your organization to be the perfect fit for that role? So a lot of that applies, even if it's an internal transition. That's probably a better way to think about it is career transitions rather than just solely in the job search, because it could, to your point, be Internal. Internal, yeah. And, and I think I, I, I remember when early on in my career, you know, I wanted that next role, but I probably didn't know how to execute it as best possible end. Maybe ran into a few brick walls in, in doing that and, and to have somebody to say, you, no, 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 you need to go, you need to go down this path. Uh, and by the way, thank God there was no cell phones and cameras back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, at the university, I still keep in contact with a lot of my students, former students. Next, I just interviewed one uh, yesterday who's in a public accounting firm. She just went from a large firm to a regional firm. And we've had these conversations on how do I, you know, if I want to make partner, what, what things do I need to put in place and, and along those lines? And I think that information is is um, vital whether you're looking to go from one employer to the next or go up that ladder. Absolutely. And I think that it's something that is going to be a an increasing trend in in the marketplace. I mean, I think millennials, we have the the reputation, good or bad, of you know, being a little bit more entitled, wanting more from our careers. And so I think that it's gonna be a there's a bigger disconnect from people who are in that first kind of entry-level job or first or second job out of school, they want those bigger positions, but they don't have a clue how to get there. And I was talking with a, a girl this week who she knows where she wants to go, but to your point, she doesn't have the skills yet to be able to functionally do that job well. And so rather than saying, okay, well, I'm just going to pass the time until I you know, somehow magically get those skills, we put together a plan that said, okay, we're, you're going to focus on these projects and you're going to build those specific skills so that when it gets time to go after that job, you've really prepared for it and you're going to be the clear choice within your organization. Exactly. And here's, I just thought about this. Here's something that you can share with your clients that um, I, I was teaching in, in Minnesota and at one of the breaks, this woman walks by and she's just shaking her and she goes, I don't get people. And I went, <laughs> okay, that's a question. So tell me about it. And she goes, yeah, at our organization, at my company, um, someone left and we had this opening and normally we would post the job. And I have everybody who wants to apply for it. But in this case, we didn't post the job. We had the perfect person. Let's say it's Brett, who we just offered the job instead of posting. And everybody in the office went bat crap crazy and thought it was unfair and this and that. And her response to those who thought it was unfair is, every time you walk into this office, every time you walk into this building, you are interviewing. <laughs> 
And quite frankly, your interviewing skills over the last six to eight months have not been up to par, and Brett's has been far exceeding. And she said the look on everybody's face was they never thought about it that way, that they're in there every day. They're being judged. They're being interviewed and, and how they handle themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I am going to steal that. I'm going <laughs> to tell my clients that because that's exactly right. I mean, when we're talking, when I would talk with my clients and I use kind of the term personal brand, but it, ultimately it's when people talk about you, what are they saying? And that's to your point, that's exactly what happened. That person had built up their personal brand so strong through their work ethic, through different things they had done that they were able that they eliminated all the other competition right off the bat. Yeah. And I, I actually, I thought it was really unique on the way she did that because I always remember, you know, the, the thing that I always kept is no matter where I'm outside the organization, I'm still the brand of whether it's Victoria's Secret, PW, Pete Margaritas. And the only time that I'm not quote unquote on stage or, or carrying that brand is when I'm with my family or at home alone. And, but I never, to some degree, thought about probably indirectly I had, but put it in that way that every time you go into uh, to the office, you're interviewing. And I thought, I thought that was, I thought that was golden when she said uh, yeah, that. I, I love that. You're going to, you might hear me later on down the road, uh, mentioning that I'll give you credit though. Okay. okay. I'll say, I learned this from my friend, Pete Margarita. Yeah. Who learned it from some woman who can't remember her name and <laughs> who, who knows, she may sue me one day. <laughs> Stand in line with everybody else. So, so what I have to ask, I mean, you were, how can I work? You were doing an outstanding. I, in, in my eyes, you were doing an outstanding job at Advantage. You were you were great to work with. The, from my perception, on being there a couple of times, everybody loved working with you. What what was inside of you that said, you know, I want to go be a career coach to the millennials? I see. I see. It's not career coach to uh, the baby boomers. <laughs> Uh, a couple things. One, I always want. I've, I've been entrepreneurial my whole life, so I've always worked for entrepreneurial companies. I have always kind of had that in the back of my mind. I'll, I'll tell you a secret. I wrote my first business plan when I was like ten. Like I was that nerdy. What? Um, <laughs> what was the business? Uh, that was. I'm, I'm an equestrian, so that was a, a horse barn that was. Go, I was going to teach lessons and training and all of that. So. Wow. I still have it somewhere. I pulled it out and embarrassed myself uh, with my boyfriend showing it to him uh, during the Kentucky Derby this year, actually. But uh, anyway, so I've always been entrepreneurial. And I started working with, on the side, the College of Charleston here. I spoke to their MBA program. And I realized that the things that I had gone through in my career where I was feeling stuck, where I was feeling like I kept changing jobs and wasn't finding what I was looking for. There's so many people out there that feel like that. And as I started working with the kids at the College of Charleston, I loved it. Like something just clicked with me and I felt so inspired by them. I think it's the idea that there's so much opportunity, you just have to take it, right? So with the job search, with any kind of career transition, I want to re-encourage people to dream a little bit and to not kind of accept the status quo. And I know that sounds so, so macro and so, you know, big picture, but really that's what, what prompted me to, to step out and do this. And then it's so funny because I've come completely full circle when I went to school, when I went to college and people asked me why I was getting a marketing degree. 
I always said, oh, well, it, it applies to everything, even when I'm looking for a job later on, even the job search. And now I've totally, you know, not knowing at that point that I would ever have anything to do with career coaching or the job search in general. And now I've come totally full circle. So, um, you know, it just started with a, a chance kind of opportunity at the college and then loved it and, and grew from there. So let's back up a second. When you're talking to this MBA pro, the MBA program, so the students in the MBA program and other students, is there a, a, a commonality, a, a common thread that you're hearing from them? For the kids coming out of school, for the college students, whether it's undergrad or MBA, they really struggle with having to differentiate themselves and having to stand out in the job search because they've been given, especially in the MBA program, they're given a templated resume. They are, they, they all essentially have the same experience. So they really struggle with kind of their personal story and how to, how to even get into interviews. Uh, Same thing with undergrads as well. You know, they struggle with how to even get started. How do I, if there are, you know, 10,000 people that are graduating with me that have fairly similar experience. How can I even begin to stand out? And a lot of them struggle because they're, you know, at that point, 21, 22, they have grown up in kind of this tech age and and I'm in that group too, but they don't understand the value of networking or the value of building relationships. And so all they're doing is spending time filling out applications online and they're not hearing, they're literally hearing nothing back. I mean, not even a no. And so it's funny, the number of people that tell me, you know, I'd be happy even if I heard a no, even if someone told me, sorry, we've already filled the position. And so that's their biggest struggle is they don't even know where, where to start and they're feeling stuck. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I hear. What are you hearing from those who are in the workforce, who've been there two, three, I'll just say years, not months, but years? What's that common thread that you're hearing from from, from that group? Um, a lot of it is, I thought I would move up quicker. You know, I thought, I thought it would be different. People told me I just needed to get my foot in the door and, and then I'd move my, work my way up. I also get people who... Once they graduate, they take kind of whatever job they can get, and then they turn around and it's three years later. And you know, they never, you know, and they, they never meant to stay there that long. They don't love it. They're not fulfilled. It's not something that they're passionate about. But they get comfortable, right? I, I worked with a, a girl named Lauren, and she worked for a boutique in college, and they offered her a full time job managing the boutique after school. And she said, okay, well, that's an easy transition. I'll make some money, save up, and then go do something else. Well, literally three years passed and she had a finance degree and she's like, I'm not doing anything with my finance degree. So she came to me to try to figure out how do I position this experience that wasn't really what I wanted to be doing? And how do I use that to go get a job that I really am excited about? Interesting. I never thought about, uh, you know, because from the accounting perspective, the, the accounting students are getting job offers in their junior year. They know most of them know where they're going. But I also think about back in my day when I when I got out of college. Uh, yeah, where do you go? How do you how do you do all that stuff? Uh, and it was just, I guess, persistence and, and, and drive. But it can be very confusing out there. And with the, the, the landscape moving as quickly as it is, I think having a resource, a coach who can help you navigate those, those waters uh, is only a, a, a great benefit for the individual. And I would look at it as, you know, 
I, I would, you know, we, we, we talk about cost. We talk, we, you know, what does it cost? What does it cost? And when I would talk to students about the CPA exam and they got, you need to take a review course. How much does it cost? I said, it's not a cost. It's an investment into your future. You'll get the return on that investment, but, you know, don't look at it that way. Same thing with, with your role. Don't look at it as a cost. It's an investment in their, in their career and in their future. Absolutely. I mean, I, for me, it's, Okay, if you get if you get a job three weeks quicker because you worked with me, it's it's paid for. If you you know can negotiate, I work with a lot of my clients on negotiation. There's this crazy statistic I always like to share. People leave half a million dollars on the table over the course of their life just by not asking for it. Literally, just by accepting offers that they're given. And so there is a negotiation factor for what I do as well. Obviously, it's case by case and and you know, depends on the leverage that you have, but. That's something that I, I work with my my clients really closely on, and how do how do we make sure that you're getting yourself set up to where you're going to be successful and you're going to be able to to get to where you want to go? And right now, it's so millennials, and and again, I'm in that group, so I use the term endear. <laughs> it's a term of endearment, but they're so much more focused on their lifestyle as well. So it's not just something where they're coming out of school and they're looking for okay, I need a nine to five job that is going to get me X amount of dollars per year so that I can grow. You know, they're, they're wanting to be able to travel. They're wanting a particular lifestyle. And so that's a lot of what I get too, is how do I, yes, I want, I want the great job, but I also want, you know, six weeks of vacation and a flexible <laughs> work-life balance. Right, right. Right. There's a lot more kind of at play there. Yeah, there is like, and, and I can imagine coming out at, at, you know, uh, out of college and, and negotiating. God, I must have left a half million dollars on the table. And, and I, I'm going to take that one from you and use that. I will give you a reference on it, but I think it's a great stat. It's crazy, right? When I read that, I, it hit me right in the face because I was like, that's that's just crazy. People that, they just don't even ask for it. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, certainly there's a fine line of, okay, knowing where you stand and, and how much to negotiate for. But that is a, that was a, a big one for me. So now, now listening to this conversation, uh, the career coach of millennials, I, I think I'm hearing a niche that you have within this. Can you share that with us? <laughs> I, I can. So I typically um, am working with with women millennials, and there's a couple of reasons for that. I, I jokingly say that women uh, tend to be a little bit more open to to coaching, in my experience, but. Also, I think when it comes down to negotiation, men find that, you know, that comes much more naturally to men in general. I'm, I'm making broad generalizations, but over, you know, overall, typically men find those things to come more naturally than, than women do. And so I think that that's really where I can, honestly, that's where I can make the, the biggest impact is with women who, you know, kind of got stuck and they had, they, they had things that they wanted to do. They had industries that they wanted to get into or those types of things and got kind of lost along the way. And I think that we typically are more prone to getting comfortable and saying, Oh, you know what? Maybe next year. Like, like Lauren, who I was telling you about, you know, she said for three years, you know, maybe next year, maybe once I get this paid off, maybe once this happens. And so I think that's really where I can make the boat the most impact, which is what I'm, what I'm looking for. So from a millennial perspective, uh, and, and I interviewed a gentleman. He was in uh, episode 
five named Carl Oryx, and he was talking about hiring patterns in the future where the uh, high performers are more likely to leave your organization a lot quicker and go someplace else. They may come back later. Uh, By the way, when they come back later, it's going to cost you a lot more. (laughs) And we were talking about, well, how do you slow that revolving door? And and I guess in, in long story short, basically says just the one, the way we invest in the individual's career and the development of that career. And two, the ability to actually have that manager listen to the concerns, the ideas of that person and not just blow them off and, or just kind of, yeah, whatever, you know, your first year staff person, you should be seen, not heard. The the more likely they will stick around longer if they get that in return from the organization. And a lot of times they're not, especially from the listening perspective, they're not getting that. Yeah. I think it's, it kind of boils down. I had an interesting conversation along these lines recently, and it kind of boils down to high performing whether they're millennials or not, but specifically high-performing millennials, they want to be treated like they are human beings, right? They have, you know, it sounds sounds very rudimentary, but they have an expectation of, I want to be heard. If I have ideas, I want to be able to share them. I want to be invested in. If I'm spending my time here, I also want to be invested in from a career perspective. But also it's the idea of what I found a lot of my clients running into is they want to work smarter rather than harder. And I think that that scares a lot of their managers to some extent. Okay. If they have ideas where I can get this done quicker, better, et cetera, but it's going to be a different process. To your point, sometimes that can just be, oh, well, you know, we've done it this way for years and years. And that's so, that's very deflating for millennials who are always looking to do some, to do things a little bit smarter or figure out, you know, a hack so to speak, uh, you know, to, to do things. If you've heard, you know, life hacks or, you know, organization hacks or productivity hacks, these are kind of the terms that millennials think in. How can I do something that's going to result in either a better or equal result, but do it a little bit quicker, do it a little bit better. And I think that encouraging those ideas is one of the best ways to keep them engaged. All right. I just learned something to term hack. Uh, I'm I'm like to look it up and see how it's applied from a millennial perspective because when I think of hack, I think of websites, I think security data, I think I think all all of that. But don't worry, I'm not I'm not hacking your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that would just be another uh, attendee or an, an audience member, and that's always greatly appreciated. <laughs> uh, I, so I'm on your website and. One of the first things, you know, we talked about go from drained to driven, and it says, get started today. I give you my name, first name, last name, and e- email address, and I hit get started today. What happens? So when you hit, hit submit there, you'll get an email from me with some resources. So I think there's a guide on interview skills, that type of thing. But what I'll tell people is really the best way, if you're really ready to get started, um, there's an opportunity there on my site to, to schedule a 30-minute call with me and to, to get that conversation started. And so what I like to do with those 30-minute call, I call them clarity conversations. And so that's where we'll start by understanding, okay, what do you want out of your career? What do you want your lifestyle to look like? And then how can you fit your career to 
build to that. Um, and so that's really the, the best first place I'll say is, is schedule time to talk with me. And I'm, I'm very nice, Peter, you can, <laughs> you can, uh, you can, you can vouch for me that I'm, that I'm, uh, I'm going to talk with on the phone, but I think that that's, that's the best way to start is just to get some clarity around. Okay. If you're thinking, if you're dipping your toe in the water and say, you know what, some of this is resonating. I am feeling drained. This isn't how I thought it would be. Let's have a, let's have a conversation about it. And your website is? It is brettrowley.com. And Brett's tough. It's B-R-E-T-T-E-R-O-W-L-E-Y.com. That's me. And yes, she is great on the phone. Uh, you know, I... I I, I coined her to almost the Energizer Bunny. She's got so much energy. Oh, well, heck, you guys are hearing us through, through this in, <laughs> through this interview. And I also, I'm, I'm, I'm very. And when I saw this initially on your website, I sent you a note. You've been out there on your own now. How long since? When did you leave me? I mean, when did you leave? <laughs> So I've been out here full time since May. Um, I've, I've been doing, um, I'm coming up on a year of doing consulting on the side. So, but since May, I've been a, a full time entrepreneur. I've joined your ranks. And yeah, so there's, there's seven days in the work week now. That's right. <laughs> you just, I mean, as soon as you went on your own, you launched your website. It wasn't out there prior, correct? I did have a version of my website. This new one that you're looking out was looking at was after I left Advantage, but I did have a version of my site up for about six or eight months prior. So uh, one of the uh, on the menu bar, this online course, which really blew me away, and she's got a curriculum. I mean, I, I you know, I, and I'm I I what did I think after I saw this, I sent you an email and go, hey, how did you do this? This is something I've been needing to do. Something I'm going to take credit for that. I think it's something that I had told you that you needed to do at some point. <laughs> uh, we've got a bad connection. I'm sorry. I, what I, I what I can't I can't hear you very well right now. Um, yeah, we did talk about this. How how do you get a a online course up and running? And you know, the first one out that you're giving a preview is the value of networking. And you said, that's really the basis for everything. And then, you know, that's the getting started. Then into the course, I see expanding your network, mastering online networking, conversation skills, you know, the, the power of partners uh, in closing the deal. And I'm, I'm one, extremely impressed uh, of that you were able to do this and get this out there that I'm going to model mine somewhat after how you did it. But what type of activity are you getting? Are you getting inquiries? Are you getting students? Are you getting any of this? Yeah, I'm so, I, I also, you know, I put this together and kind of crossed my fingers and was like, you know, let's see how it, how it does. And I, the, the course is called painless networking for job seekers. And I named it that because I think it's so relevant because I say networking in, to my clients and immediately they stop listening, right? They're like, Oh God, I'm, I'm picturing horrible, awkward cocktail conversations and networking events and passing out business cards. And so I wanted to help people understand there's a better way to do it. You don't, you don't have to be out there kind of pounding the pavement. It's, it's about relationships, not necessarily the number of connections. And so that's why I went this direction. And I've gotten some really great feedback. Um, there's a stat, it's on that page, but 80% of jobs are not posted online. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's terrifying to people because literally all that they're doing is submitting online applications. And so this is a, a good way to say, if you want to get some traction really quickly, this is a good way to get started. It is. Uh, networking is, it's, it was a 
skill that was taught to me when I was in the banking industry. And I, I, I love to network. And you're right. When people think networking, they think two things. I don't want to talk to strangers because my mother said never talk to strangers. <laughs> these aren't strangers. These are these are opportunities. A stranger somebody that sits down in downtown Columbus with a bottle of Moga David 2020 is talking to the lamppost. That's a stranger. <laughs> Uh, and it's, you know, it's all the other thing of, oh, all they're doing is brown nosing to get, you know, it's like, no, it's not. Most jobs are not found in the paper or on monster.com or, or anything like that. And I've got a, a episode with Greg Lanus, who is a recruiter for Robert Half. And he talks a lot about how he used networking early on to get where he wanted to go. And he had some really great ideas on how to position yourself, how to get in front of people that actually I'd never thought of. And I thought, I thought they were wonderful ideas, but it all goes to the power of networking. Well, and to your point, it's not something that's only applicable during the job search, right? So networking serves you throughout your entire career, whether you're looking to hire down the road, you're looking for mentors, you're looking for business partners, whatever the case may be. You know, th these are skills that you'll take with you. And so I think it's crucial. Well, you can you can share this one with your clients. I was um, asked to take a couple of instructors out some years ago uh, from the Ohio Society CPAs when I when I was chair out to dinner and because the CEO uh, was unavailable at the time. And they give me a call and I'm going, oh, man, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to go. Ah. You know, I was hemming and hawing. So much, I thought, and then I went, you know what, I'm just going to go. So as I left the house, I, I, my wife goes, when will you be back? I said, well, dinner's at 6.30. I should be back by 8.30. Uh, we closed the place. <laughs> and, and, and we only had one cocktail each. The three of us, four of us together, we hit it off. We were having great conversations. And actually, out of that dinner that I didn't want to go to, turned into a two-year revenue stream that I would have never had. So anytime that I'm hemming and hawing. I just remember that time. Uh, and I, the gentleman who I connected with, his first name was Cecil. I go, remember Cecil. And you know what? You just never know. But you know that nothing's going to happen if you don't go. That's exactly right. People, and I think that that's uh, specifically for millennials, and I'm guilty of it to some extent as well, but we tend to hide behind our devices, right? We hide behind our, our computers, our phones, social media. We hear about all those things, and there's so much value in creating those one-on-one -on -one personal relationships, to your point, that maybe you're not getting a job through it right now, but 10, 5, 10 years down the road, you're still going to have that that relationship, and you've got a strong network, so... I think it's uh, it's key. When I was talking to my millennials, whether I was in the workforce or at the university, I go, you know what? Social media is great as a networking tool, as a networking tool, not the networking tool. There's still a lot to say about gripping and grinning and smiling and, and being face-to-face -face because in my mind, I don't get that ick feeling. Yeah. And when I can see somebody, I get a good feeling, I get a bad feeling, and, and that, that, you know, that, that gut emotion that I can act on and I don't get that from social media. Social media is great. It's a part of it. But, you know, face-to-face -face networking is a part of that as well, even though a lot of us don't like to do it because shy, don't want to talk to strangers. What do I say? And, and someone asked me, what do I start out with? I said, well, you ask them what their name is. <laughs> and then you ask them what they do. Revolutionary concept. Yeah, and then ask them what they do. The more you questions you ask them, really the less you have to talk and the more that they talk, and then you'll get to a comfort level when it's time for you to converse. You've now built up a little bit of a rapport that, you, that will go a longer way. 
Absolutely. I tell my clients that when it comes to networking, I tell them to give first. So help their help them solve a problem first. And then, you know, whether they're looking to make a connection and you know somebody or whatever they're challenged with in their lives, solve that problem first. And then when they they're gonna be more than happy to help you further your career as well. So I think that's a big piece of it is look, you know, these are people too. You know, it's not it's not uh, as intimidating as it can seem, you know, and it doesn't need to be awkward. It can be something as simple as let's go out to coffee. Let's take 30 minutes. And I want to pick your brain about something. Um, you know, it can, there's, there are ways that we can ease into it that aren't as, aren't as intimidating. I call it the Godfather approach. Cause I'm going to come and ask you, I'm gonna, what can I do for you? Cause you know, when I can do something for you, someday you're going to come and ask, you know, I'm going to come and ask for a favor from you and you're going to be more inclined, inclined to help me out. The Godfather approach. I love it. I'm not going to be able to to say it just in the way that you did, but I will. I might need a little record. I'll record that little piece of this podcast and use it. Well, the, the bronchitis is still probably there because it's not my best Marlon Brando Godfather, but you you got you got you got, got the chest. You, you know, if I help you first, then you're more inclined to help me when I need something. Absolutely. What else do you want to add that maybe we haven't touched on? I haven't asked the question about this wonderful business that you're in. <laughs> some good ground. I think the biggest thing that, that for me, the reason why I started, started the business is to re-encourage people and, and re-engage people. I think the biggest thing people get bogged down, right? They get bogged down in their day to day. And so taking careers out of it, taking kind of the job search out of it, my conversations that I have with people are typically getting them to dream a little bigger than they had before, getting them to think a little bit harder about what they can do in their careers and in their lives. And so that's really my kind of mission is how can I take these kind of work zombies, you know, and <laughs> I don't know any other way to <laughs> any other way to say it and and make them excited about what they're doing. Um, you know, and so and I've been there. Like I've been a zombie. So I, I say it lovingly, but that's really my what I'm really passionate about is how can I take people who it affects your it affects your whole life. If you're not if you're drained at work, you're not going to have time to spend on your hobbies, on your passions. You're going to sit on the couch when you get home because you just don't have the mental energy. And so, I, I'd like to to reverse that a little bit um, in in my way. Adam, if you're listening to this, she was talking about the job she had prior to coming to Advantage. I, was, I, I, was. I just want to clarify that. I was. That's exactly right. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> well, I you know before I leave, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with ten quick questions here that will give the audience a little bit more, learn a little bit more about you. And it's, this will be painless for the most part. <laughs> he started to say painful. So I'm appropriately terrified. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so um, are, are, you, are you more a SEC fan or an ACC fan? Oh, Pete, you know the answer to this one. I'm a Clemson girl, so I'm absolutely more an ACC fan. So now you just lost the Ohio audience right there. And then they all just look quick. I'm sorry, Ohioans. We're going to get these. I'm going to get these reviews on my podcast. You traitor. (laughs) How could you interview someone from Clemson? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is your favorite movie? Oh, that's tough. Favorites are hard. My favorite movie is Top Gun. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Nothing about the volleyball scene at all, right? Not, not, not at all. Yeah. No, I, my mom 
wanted to be a fighter pilot, but so that didn't work out. She actually got accepted, a little shout out to Dawn. She got accepted to the Air Force Academy, but they weren't going to let her fly, so she didn't go. So that I, I blame that answer on, on her because she loved that movie, and uh, I've watched it a billion times growing up. My wife has too, and she keeps going volleyball, volleyball, <laughs> volleyball. Uh, what's your favorite song on your playlist? Oh, Pete. Um... This is really a tough one. I favorite song. I, I don't even have an answer. What, I what, what to, your, what's your go-to song that you need to get some energy? You, you're feeling drained. You need to get pumped up. I put I'm in. I'm listening to a, a girl named Maren Morris right now. I don't have a song, um, but her new album. She's a new country singer. Anything country, I listen to. But right, I'll tell you a secret. When I need to focus in the afternoon, there. Jamie, my boyfriend, thinks I'm really weird. There's this like deep focus Spotify playlist that has songs that you have never heard of. They have no words, so that's really that's really what I listen to, which is boring. Which, yeah, okay. <laughs> like who is this weirdo? Yeah, I get I get the country I get the country music, but you know the it, it kind of uh, you know it's got a mesmerizing effect. It makes me focus. You should try it. Tiberian monks singing throat songs. <laughs> I can I can. It's not quite that bad, but close. All right, next question. Gumbo or lobster bisque? Mm, lobster bisque. Oh, that one surprised me. Yeah? Uh, well, this one, you know, are you a University of South Carolina fan or a Clemson fan? Oh, come on. Come on. Absolutely. Yeah. Clemson fan. And, that, and that's when I was expecting here. you really going to ask me that stupid question, Pete? I, I mean, well, come you, on. No, this is the perfect example of never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. You <laughs> did the answer to that one, Pete. No, my parents raised me better than that. <laughs> Uh, George, did you hear that? George, did you hear that? Um, are you a, a prefer PC or Mac? Mac. And I was adamantly PC before I got my first Mac. When did you, when did you get your first Mac? Uh, my job before Advantage. They were an all-Mac office, and I was very grumpy about it, but it took me about two hours to be completely converted. It took me about a day, and then I, I can't... I get on a PC anymore and, and I lose a finger. I sprain something. I just can't operate in a PC environment anymore. I, I, I love my Mac. I'm very snobby when it comes to Macs. So when you went to that university in, uh, called Clemson, <laughs> what was your favorite course? Ooh, I took a sports marketing class that I loved. Um, I thought I wanted to go into sports marketing and then realized that you know, baseball has 180 games a year, and that was that. They worked a little harder than I really wanted to, but uh, but I took a sports marketing class that was really interesting, and I took it around the um, time of the Olympics. So we did a lot of cool uh, projects around the Olympics. Cool. Uh, what's your favorite restaurant in Charleston? Oh, there is an Italian restaurant called Pani Vino. Pani Vino off of King Street. That's a little bit of a hole in the wall, but anything Italian, I'm I'm sold. That's a good one. All right. I'm going to remember that when I get down there. Ponte Vino. My favorite one down there so far has been, what's it called? Oh, Snob. Oh, yeah. Slightly north of Broad. Yep. Yeah. We've got all kinds of, that's our biggest struggle on the weekends is, by, is figuring out where we're going to dinner, which I can't complain. If that's our biggest struggle, I don't have a whole lot to uh, complain. No, no, no kidding. Uh, outside of Charleston, what's your favorite city to visit? I love to visit. New York is probably my favorite city to visit. I lived there for a few months, so I love love going there. But really, I like going places I've never been before. So I don't know if I have a favorite city to visit repeatedly. Okay, so what city do you want to visit that you've never been before? 
All of them. All of them. Number one. Name one. I would love to go to Barcelona. I've never been to Barcelona, and uh, I've heard good things. See, mine is I would love to go to either Melbourne or Sydney. Mm. The problem is I probably won't come back. Well, that's the thing. Well, for two reasons. One, you would love it. But also, when I think of Australia, the percentage of deadly things that live in Australia versus here in South Carolina, uh, that that tempers my uh, that tempers my desire to go to Australia just a little bit. I just think of the cute koala there. <laughs> I know. That is true. The koalas might make up for, for some of it. But really, outside of cities where I actually want to go visit is Norway. I want to see the fjords. Oh, that'd be... That's my number one on my travel bucket list. Oh, that'd be cool. And, and last question, real easy. What's the best vacation you've ever taken? I went to... Uh, I traveled around Italy for 10 days. <laughs> okay, so I, so I I guess it's been nine years when, since I've been to Italy. What cities did you go? We did Rome, Venice, uh, a town in Tuscany called Monte Catini, uh, and then we did Florence. I don't think I'm missing any. Yeah, we were in Tuscany, too, and went to Monte Catini, and we were based more out of Cortona. And the one thing I found about those wine villages, it, 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 you got to walk up. And then it seems like when you're walking down, you're still walking up. <laughs> but everywhere you look, there is wine and galore. Yep, yep. So unfortunately, when I went, I was not yet of age. So I need to go back and enjoy and enjoy the wine. The, that's the only vacation my wife and I have ever been on. We were there for two weeks that we ate and drank heartily throughout Italy and came home and lost five pounds. Wow, because you walked. Because we walked everywhere. See, that's why. That's that's reason enough to move there. If I can eat and drink whatever I want and lose weight, I'm in. That's that's the Italian diet plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm 100. I told you, Connie Vino, I, I could eat pasta every single day if I, but I'd end up being 400 pounds. So well, you better. Well, you, like you don't have a car right now, you can just walk. That's true. That's true. I could just, you know, I'll just do laps around my neighborhood to counteract <laughs> the pasta. <laughs> well, Brett, I've, I've, one, I've been looking forward to this conversation because we haven't talked since you left Advantage. I'm really excited about your business. I love having this conversation. I will have you back on a future podcast and uh, I know we'll stay in touch. But once again, thank you so very much uh, for taking time out to talk with me today. I know my audience We'll, we'll gain a lot of insight and hopefully we'll drive some additional business your way. No, I'm, uh, I appreciate it. I had, a, I had a great time and look forward to you better bring me back. I most certainly will. <laughs> Thanks. Now, that was a very fun and informative interview for CPAs and all business leaders on how to become better marketers and to better connect with your millennial employees. Her entrepreneurial spirit is contagious, and her use of improvisation helps her to maintain that focus. She completely embraces the yes-and attitude and uses listening to the highest level so she can understand the particular needs of her clients. I did find the stat on negotiation fascinating when Brett said that people leave a half a million dollars on the table over their lifetime, which made me think that the yes-and attitude could pick up a quarter of a million dollars off that table, don't you think? Just on a side note, this interview was recorded on July 21st, and since that time, Brett's business has evolved into both career and business coaching. 
She is a very talented person, as you heard throughout this interview, who will be very successful in a short time. As you can tell, I enjoyed this interview, and I hope you did too. If so, I'd greatly appreciate it if you'd write a review on iTunes. I think Brett would appreciate it as well. And also, introduce this episode to a new friend who hasn't heard the podcast before. In episode 25, I interview Bill Sheridan, who is the Chief Communications Officer for the Maryland Association of CPAs. Until next time, use the principles of improvisation and become a better marketer and connect better with your millennial employees. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.